With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. I feel like that was a personal challenge from Thomas Dias during his weathercast when he said there should be no complaints on Monday with a high of zero. Oh, trust me, Thomas, I can find a way to complain. It won't be here, though. I'm off work next week. Dave Campbell's going to be doing inside sports. He'll have some fun with him for sure. I think he has a couple of Eskimos players coming in on Monday. That'll be good. Red Wings up 1-0 on the Penguins after 2. Late in the second period, Anaheim and Carolina tied 1-1. And the Lightning up 3-0 on the Jets after the first. The Jets not in the Oilers division, but a team that uh, could affect the playoff outcome for the Oilers if it becomes down to a wild card position so uh, you also want the Jets to lose if you're hoping for the Oilers to stay in that wild card spot tonight. Oilers and Coyotes tomorrow on 6.30 Chet 11.30 in the morning for the face-off show. The game is at 1 Taylor Hall back in Edmonton for the first time as a Coyote he was with New Jersey. They are not doing well this season. Now he's joined a playoff contender. It almost feels like cheating um, <laughs> but uh, it's been a lot of fun and uh not to um, talk bad about anyone, but it, it's been a while since I played important games like this. And uh, um, to, to come out for a game and know that it's a four-point game, know that it's a team that you're really battling in the standings with, is, it's been a lot of fun. And, and that's really what hockey's about. And you forget about that sometimes. Um, you know, when you're playing on a team that's at the bottom of the standings, sometimes it... it uh, it's not difficult to get up for the games, but um, with these games, the magnitude of them, it, it you know it makes your blood boil pretty naturally, and that's uh, like I said, a lot of fun. And final game before the bye week for the Oilers. They they didn't always have this bye week. It's it's relatively new. Mike Smith, Dave Tippett. Do you like the bye week because it does lead to a condensed schedule at other times of the year? When you're in it, yes. But uh, before and after, no. Um, you know, especially an older player, I think it gets harder to come back from longer stretches of, of uh, downtime. So you want to keep active as much as you can during that break. And, and uh, you know, obviously mentally get a break, but physically get a break, and but not let your guard down too much. You know, I think... Uh, it's an important time to get rest, but like you said, it condenses schedules in other ways, and I think December and November were pretty busy months for us, so it's, it'll be nice to get a little bit of a break here. I think if you ask the players, they like it. So it's, it's a break just to get away for a little bit. When they first came out, I didn't like it at all because it was a break that was supposed to give the players a break, but then we came out of the break, and I remember the first time in Arizona, we had five days off. We couldn't practice till four o'clock on the fifth day, and then went in and played back to back. And that's that's just if there it's if it's about preventing injuries for players, that's enticing injuries. You know, have guys away from it for five days and then jump into a back to back. So the way they've got it structured now, we have three days to practice before we play our first game. Kind of out of it, I'm all right with it now. Everybody and the other thing they've done, they balanced it out where the teams you're playing 
have the break also, so there's no advantage or disadvantage coming out of it. So I'm all right with the break. It condenses other things. That is what it is. You deal with it like any other schedule. But uh, having it better thought out is is we're in a better place with it. Well, and now some of the league has the uh, bye week before the All-Star break. Edmonton, Arizona, Calgary, and Vancouver in that situation. Vegas, another Pacific team, will have their bye after the All-Star break. So the Oilers play tomorrow. Uh, Drysettle and McDavid will go to the All-Star weekend in St. Louis, as will this player from the Canadian women's national team, Rebecca Johnston. Rebecca, you're on with Reed. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thanks for checking in tonight. Now, were you horrified when you heard our temperatures, or is it cold where you are, too? Yeah, it's freezing where I am, actually. I'm, I'm in Calgary, so... Oh, you're uh, not far away. I okay. just, no, I'm not too far away. <laughs> so so you're, you're living all of this as well. Well... We can all be cold and miserable together. That's okay. Well, th- thanks for checking in tonight. Um, it's it's good to have you on the show. I don't think we've ever talked before, so uh, we, we have a, we have a lot to discuss. First of all, congratulations on getting to go to the uh, the NHL All Star Weekend. A little Thank like you. you you went last year though, but would you say you had a relatively limited role? Can you tell us what you did? Yeah. So last year I was able to attend. There was four of us: two Canadians and two Americans that. Uh, were able to take part in the All-Star Weekend and the skills competition. We were, um, we basically demonstrated the all the skills before the, the men did it. Um, so that was kind of our, our role. But there was one uh, girl, Kendall Coyne, from the U.S. who had, was able to participate in the, the fastest skater event. Okay, and this year you're actually going to play a three-on-three game, Canada against the United States, uh, 10 players per team, nine skaters and a goalie. Will yep. it be as fierce as most games between Canada and the United States? Oh, for sure. I think uh, we're overall really excited about the opportunity to be able to attend and, and do the three-on-three event. Uh, but for sure, I mean, there's that rivalry there. It's, it's always been, It's always been there, uh, Canada and the U.S., so for... So for us, I think it's going to be competitive. Uh, we're going to go hard and, and really showcase women's hockey and the talent that we have. have. Have you played a lot of three-on-three in your career? I mean, it's now a regular thing in overtime in the NHL. What about in the women's game? Uh, no, I think they're actually switching it now, but we haven't done three-on-three that much. It's usually four-on-four in overtime, so this will definitely be a, a new adjustment for us and um, something that will be interesting but a lot of fun as well. Is it will be a lot of ice for us to use. Yeah, I'll say. Are you have you practiced it at all, or are you going to? Yeah, I've, I've, we've practiced it a, a little bit um, this past year, um, or the, the the beginning of the season. We've we've done a little bit of that, and and you always do three on three kind of smaller half ice stuff, but it's never full on three on three like full ice. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> well, I, I I'm glad that this game is happening. Um, I, I thought. I hope you don't mind me using this word, and I'm not trying to set you up necessarily to to slag anybody, but but I do want to get your perspective. I'm glad this game is happening because I almost felt it was just token participation by, by the women last year where the NHL just said, okay, well, whatever, we'll just kind of make it look good. But now it's like it's a full-on game, and it showcases the, the skill a lot better. I don't know if you want to respond to that, but I'll kind of throw that out there. <laughs> No, I, I for sure. I mean, it, I think we're actually being able to to take part in in the skills competition now. It's going to be televised. That people can wa- can watch us play, and so it's definitely uh, a step up from last year uh, for having all of us. There's be 20 of us 
uh, there now and um, for or next week. And so I think that um, is, is really exciting for, for women's hockey, for us to be able to actually, you know, go on the ice and show uh, what we can do out there and um, be competitive and show our speed. And so I think uh, that will be uh you know, very big for us, and we're very thankful that the NHL is, 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 has invited us, and uh, we're all really excited to be there. Rebecca Johnson joining us from the Canadian Women's National Team has uh, three Olympic medals to her credit, two of them gold. It's a, it's an interesting time, I think, for the women's game, and I, and I want to get your perspective from being inside it. The, I mean, the international game, I, I, I think, is great. I mean, I know Canada and the United States generally dominate, but other countries have, have improved over the years. There's a generation of fans that won't even remember a time when women's hockey wasn't in the Olympics. Canada-U.S. Mm-hmm. rivalry is epic. I know at a professional level, you know, there was a league that, that uh, eventually had to cease operations within the last year. I think there's, you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong, I think there's another league that is still going. So how do you sort of balance or what can you fill us in about the international prominence of the women's game, but maybe domestically or professionally, would you still say it's struggling? You have some obstacles to overcome. How would you characterize all that? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so since I started with the national team, uh, I mean, I've seen there's so much growth in the women's game. Um, each and every year there are um, that much more girls signing up to play hockey, and it's growing immensely every year. And um, so that is amazing to see. Uh, also the talent internationally, you know, their teams are starting to catch up to Canada, U.S. It's not just two teams now. There's definitely teams that uh, you have to make sure that you're you're on your game and you're playing your best hockey uh, to be able to beat them. And so I think that's really great. The competition is getting uh, closer and more competitive um, at the international stage. And then league, we're obviously having a little bit of issues right now. And uh, this year is definitely a, a new year for us where uh, a lot of us have joined the PWHPA um, where we, we kind of just go around doing showcase tournaments, uh, showcasing our talent and putting on tournaments throughout um, Canada and U.S. Uh, which has been, I mean, a lot of fun. We've had a lot of great success, a lot of media attention, uh, which has been great. And uh, hopefully for us, we want to eventually, you know, get a league where it's sustainable and, you know, girls can grow up um, aspiring to play in this league. And that's our ultimate goal. So hopefully uh, that comes um, with what we are doing because that's, that's the main thing is, is the next generation and, and trying to create something that lasts and, and, and is sustainable. Well, I, I hope that happens, and and I know in the years I've been covering sports, Rebecca, I've seen a change from when you know there'd be a women's hockey team, and it was it, it was girls who were maybe doing another sports and started playing hockey when they were eleven, twelve, thirteen. Whereas now there are full-on opportunities for women to play on girls' teams. You know, right from when they're <laughs> six, seven, eight. What, what was it yeah. for you? Like, did you start on boys' teams, or have you always only played against females? Yeah, so I grew up in Sudbury, Ontario, um, and there was only, yeah, I only had uh, the option to play boys. I didn't, there wasn't many girls playing uh, when I grew up, and so I was always on a boys' team, and I switched over uh, when I was midget age uh, to a girls' team where I think there was girls four years older than me on that team. And so we all played on one team. And then we all, we, on that team, we played against a guys league in Sudbury. So I was, I'm used to playing against guys growing up. And, um, but now I go back to Sudbury and I see that 
there are multiple girls teams of each age group so there's a lot more girls playing hockey and it's just the growth of the game has has grown so much uh, ever since I was a little girl and so uh, you know that's that's the goal we want to continue to try to grow the game and get more girls active and playing playing hockey um, so it's, it's really great to see to be able to go home and see see the growth of, of girls playing. All right. Well, this is exciting. So uh, it's a week from tonight you play in St. Louis, right? The three-on-three game. Yeah, it's Friday. Friday night. Yeah. Yeah. One week from one week from tonight. So that uh, that's really cool. And then uh, what, what would be like? You're ramping up for World Championships already. Uh, yeah. So we have a we have a three-game series against the U.S. Actually, in February, beginning of February, in Victoria, Vancouver, and then Anaheim. Um, so that's the beginning of February, and then we have uh, World Championships at uh, the end of March, beginning of April in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Okay, and uh, just, I mean, like Perry Perns, uh, an Edmontonian, uh, very well known mm-hmm. here in the city. He was uh, relieved of his duties as head coach. How is it for a yep. player to transition into a new head coach relatively soon before the World Championship? Um, I think it's always obviously challenging. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a different kind of coaching style. Um, you know, you have to get used to a lot of a lot of different things and aspects of a coach that um, you know the previous coach might not have had. So, getting used to that style and trying to adjust and adapt to that is, um, you know, challenging. But it's also, uh, I mean, we still have quite a few months or three months before World Championships. So, I think it will give us some time. Um, to adjust at least and um, be able to uh, just perform as a team. And, um, yeah, I think it's, it can be challenging, but it's also, um, I guess, a fresh start. All right, and I'll end off with a fun one. Which NHL player are you most looking forward to seeing uh, perform and play in person next weekend in St. Louis? Oh, um I mean, I'll go with the the Edmonton guy. I like. I mean, uh, McDavid is, is one of my favorite players to watch. Uh, his speed is incredible. So, um, and then just the way he thinks the game, and I think watching him live is always um, pretty exciting, and uh, can learn so much from how he plays. So, I think it's probably him. I would say. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing your game, Rebecca, Canada versus the United States, three-on-three as part of the All-Star Weekend in St. Louis. Hey, thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate your perspective. We, we hit on a few things there, but all the best next weekend. And if I don't talk to you, all the best at Worlds. Of course, Canada wants to get that gold back like we should have it. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. That is Rebecca Johnston from the Canadian women's hockey team checking in tonight. So uh, I, I, I like the, I mean, the All-Star weekend, it's supposed to be a showcase. It's obviously not a serious game. You want to showcase the NHLers, but I think it's great they're showcasing women's hockey and uh, much more players will have a much larger role in the All-Star weekend with the three-on-three game Canada-US next Friday. The Edmonton Oil Kings are underway. They have just scored. They lead Prince Albert 1-0, eight and a half minutes into the first period at Rogers Place. We'll keep you updated on that one through the remainder of the show. And the uh, U of A Golden Bears... Just seeing if I have a score here from Claire Drake as uh, they are taking on Lethbridge tonight. And uh, there is no score in that game 
uh, about nine minutes into the first period. U of A Golden Bears sitting at 17-3. and three. Lethbridge having a tough year. They're 5-14-1. Speaking of the Oil Kings, don't forget to visit the contest page on 630Ched.com. Look for the Skate with a King contest. Global News 630 Ched want to give one minor hockey team a big experience at their next on-ice practice. Two Oil Kings players, Atkinson and Souch, will skate with your team at their next practice. The winning team also gets tickets to an Oil Kings game. That's for the whole team. Go to the 630 Ched contest page and look for the Skate with a King contest. Danny Machocha is still coming up. Kellen, put your thinking cap on. Okay. We will open up the text line. Uh, It's that time of year. We do this before big football weekends. Predictions, winning teams, and scores for the... How do you feel great on vacation? Like, really good? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sand beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll immerse yourself in natural wonder and find your center on an island where things move at your speed. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. NFC and AFC championship games. You can text 780-496-0063. Kellen and I will give our guaranteed-to-be-correct predictions when we get back. guitar from the movie twister humans being speaking of movies kellen i watched x-men dark phoenix last night and what'd you think not good not good and everybody told me it wasn't going to be good but it was a marvel movie so i had to watch it yeah and it was not good it was probably a little better than apocalypse mm-hmm. but it was not good so if you're on the fence about it, stay on the non-watching side of the fence. I'm not big into the X-Men portion of the Marvel series. Because you're so. against mutants. You're the, whole, <laughs> you're the whole theme of the series. Why do you hate mutants? <laughs> they're just they just have diff, they're just different from us. I don't know. I never got it. <laughs> never got it. Never got mutations. Well, we'll uh, we'll get into that, Kellen. Okay. And uh, you are invited to participate in the final 32 minutes of the show, 780-496-0063 to text. Winning team and your prediction for the final score for the AFC and NFC championship games on Sunday. Kellen and I will give our guaranteed-to-be-correct predictions. Well, we're going to do it right now. Oh, 1,000% correct. Tennessee at Kansas City. That's the first game on Sunday at 105. Mm-hmm. KC's favored by seven and a half. The Titans will not be able to keep it going. KC is rolling. They were disappointed at this stage of the season last year. Right. It will not happen again. This game will not be close. I'm taking Kansas City to win 33-3. That's wow. I'm picking the Chiefs by 30. Oh, holy. 
Okay, well, Kansas City was my late grandmother's favorite team when she was around and that stuff, so I'm going to go with the Chiefs as well. Uh, that will be the Rush special in honor of Neil Peart. That will be a 21-12 final. Oh, nice. Okay. Kellen takes the Chiefs 21-12. The other game. Man, I'm, uh, this was tough to pick. San Francisco is outstanding. Garoppolo is is very good. I, I asked Trevor Harris about him last night, and Trevor said it's only a few people who are criticizing him. He's he's very good. Um, but uh, Green Bay has uh, a really good running back. They got Adams at receiver. Rodgers has been there before. I am going to pick the Packers to win on the road 28-23. San Francisco is favored by 7.5. Mm. Seems like a lot to me. I'm taking Green Bay upset 28-23. Wow. Okay. Um, just to be different there, I, 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 I like the Packers in that matchup, but I'll say San Francisco. And if you want to put a little addendum next to my prediction, I predict that this game will go into overtime. Oh, wow. I want to go 28-24 San Francisco. So how, how are we going to get to that score in overtime? Yeah, that's right. It's not the CFL, is it? you got to take 27. <laughs> if you're saying overtime... You could take 27-24 because it could be 21-21 and they both got field goals. Okay, yeah, 27-24 then. 27-24 if you're taking overtime. Though I'll still put down that you first said 28-24. I forgot the NFL was quirky like that. I forgot. They got those rules. They got an extra down, you see. They do too much out there, I tell you. you, If if you miss on second down, you still got another down. Danny Machocha, when we get back, a little more from Oilers practice. They play the Coyotes tomorrow at 1, Inside Sports on Chet. First period, Oil Kings up 1-0 on Prince Albert at Rogers Place. Late in the first period, Clear Drake Arena, Alberta leading Lethbridge 1-0. NHL tonight now 5-1 for Tampa Bay over Winnipeg late in the second period. In the third, 1-1 Ducks and Hurricanes and 1-1 between the Penguins and the Red Wings. Rust his 20th of the season for the Wings. Raptors win tonight 140-111 over the Washington Wizards. 140 points tonight for the Raptors. Uh, They spread it around. Powell with 28. Davis with 23. uh, Gasol with 20. uh, Ibaka with 15. uh, Lowry had 11. Lots of players in double digits as uh, the Raptors improved to 27 and 14 on the season. Wizards now 13 and 28. Okay. Vic, big football guy. Like me, picking a Kansas City blowout, 35-7 over Tennessee. And like me, picking a relatively close game and Green Bay to win on the road. He says Green Bay takes a 24-21. Brian says San Francisco by 17. Did he pick the other game? I can't see the other one. Well, he picked the NFC. Sam G has written in tonight. My guaranteed-to-be-true prediction, as you say all the time, Reed, he has... Kansas City 34-17, San Francisco 
winning 34-28. He says, I was so sure that Tennessee was going to win, but after Kansas City overcame that deficit and won in style, they, they made me change my tune. I think the Bears awakened, and I will go ahead and say they are going to win the Super Bowl. Boom! That is from Sam G. Kansas City and San Francisco. Uh, nobody picking in the Titans. 780-496-0063. The number to both call and text. Oilers tomorrow. One o'clock game. Our coverage starts with the face-off show at 11.30 in the morning. Taylor Hall and the Coyotes in town. Hall, of course, a few weeks ago, traded from the Devils to the Coyotes. He says the trade happened at the right time. In hindsight, um, you know, when I was scratched those two games and, and waiting for a trade, I mean, that was a pretty stressful time and, and really wondering where I was going to go. Um, and then just getting used to my um, you know my new teammates the staff everything well well before the deadline and, and well before the playoffs is uh, has been really helpful and I f- you know I feel like I'm kind of hitting my stride on the ice lately and um, you know it takes a bit to, to get used to everything so uh, once you're comfortable off the ice the the on ice part becomes easy and, and that's kind of what I'm feeling right now third meeting of the season between the two teams they played twice in november arizona won here in overtime the oilers won there in a shootout calgary and arizona 57 points apiece atop the pacific calgary has the tiebreaker because they have a game in hand vancouver and vegas both with 56 points vancouver is slotted third because they have played 48 games vegas has played 50 and then edmonton 55 points so in fifth place but only two out of first uh the Oilers have played 48 games same amount as uh Vancouver then it drops off to the three California teams Oilers coach Dave Tippett on the playoff race I think it's great I think it's unbelievable where every game is like you look at the standings every game you're anxious to get in because you want to get points we sat here kind of not done anything for two days and all of a sudden we went from second to fifth (laughs) you know I mean it's uh but I love that we've got ourselves in position where we're playing these games that really are meaningful every night. Because it makes, it makes you play your best every night, and that's what we're going to try to do. Well, I, I think the Oilers got to embrace it. And, yeah, it'd be, uh, it'd be great to be further ahead for sure, as goaltender Mike Smith acknowledges. I mean, obviously, I'd like to be 20 points ahead right now, but I think uh, we are where we are, and it's fun to be in important games every single time you go on the ice. So I think it's... The, these are the kind of games you want to play in, you know, against teams that are fighting for the same points you are, and it makes that that much more important when you step on the ice that you know that every play counts and every point counts at this point. So it's going to be a fight right to the end with all the teams that are involved in the in the playoff race. And um, with less than 40 games left, you're you're trying to get any point you can, claw and scratch, and um, you got to you got to beat teams that are right there with you. So it's it's fun games to play play in. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, the Oilers are 5-1-1 one, and one in their last seven. Five, actually, 5-2-1 and one since Christmas. The, the two regulation losses, both to Calgary, the only team the Oilers uh, have not been able to get a point against. Dean says the Packers are going to win 29-21. He did not, not offer an AFC prediction. He's probably still working on that one. You can get yours in until 8 o'clock, 780-496-0063. little more on football here. A guy who used to work for your Edmonton Eskimos, Went to the University of Montreal and now the general manager of the Montreal Alouettes. Welcome back to Inside Sports, Danny Machocha. Danny, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. It's nice to have you on the show again. We haven't talked for a while. I I think we caught up after you won the Vanier Cup a few years ago, but congratulations on the new gig. How do you feel about jumping back into the CFL? 
No, I'm excited about getting back in and especially doing it with the uh, with my hometown team. It's definitely a dream come true, and I'm looking forward to to, to reconnecting with uh, you know a lot of people that I used to work uh, with uh, over the 14 year span that I had in the CFL. It was an interesting season for the Alouettes last year. Coaching change, GM change. There was a lot of speculation about how they would do on the field. They, they had a pretty entertaining and exciting team, made the playoffs, wound up getting eliminated by the Eskimos. And, and now there's, there's new ownership. Uh, you know, I think I know the answer, but I kind of want to get it in your words and your perspective. How important is the new ownership to, to your decision to coming back to the Alouettes? It's extremely important. It's extremely important. Uh, there's been so many groups that have um, had an interest in purchasing this uh, storied franchise uh, and to have, uh, you know, this family decide that they were going to step up and and um, and take it over. And um, my interactions with them, my meetings with them were so positive. And, um, you know, they've got a clear plan. This is a family that's, you know, had a lot of success also in the, in the business world. They're aligned. I know we share the same values, the same vision. And uh, it became so pleasant that, in my opinion, it became a no-brainer to, to come back and be uh, a part of, uh, of something special. Kahari Jones is your head coach. He, he did get an extension. And, and you know, look, he's been around the CFL for a long time, so I know you've, you've crossed paths with him before. I, I just want to get your perspective, and, and I'll set it up for you this way. W- when I watched the Alouettes last year, Danny, they just seemed that they were going to go for it. Down 20, whatever, they were coming. Up 20, they were trying to get up 27 or, or 30. And they had a, a couple of spectacular comeback wins along the way. How much do you think of that stems from Kahari Jones and, and the attitude he brings to the team? Have a whole lot. I mean, there's so much energy, and all that energy is so positive around Kahari. Uh, even the players that I've met here over the last few days, there's there's uh, there's just so much excitement uh, with uh, with uh, Kahari and his staff. Uh, there's, there's a sense of belief. Uh, there's a sense that they want to, you know, uh, uh, fight and go through a wall for him. And that's a credit to who he is as an individual because he's a. He's, uh, what you see is what you get. He's a happy, um, happy-go-lucky kind of guy that'll give you the right time of day. Uh, you know, he's experienced it as a player, so he knows exactly what a, what a player is looking for. And um, you know, like I said, engaging and someone that just moves so much optimism, and there's uh, no shortage of respect that he uh, that he that he portrays and um, and people are excited to play for him so uh, that obviously will pay dividends uh, for any football team uh, you know whether they play one game or whether they play uh, you know uh, a, a handful of games for uh, their head coach they're going to give you all they've got Danny Machocha joining us on Inside Sports. I know you're excited about going to the Alouettes. I have to ask you about the flip side of this, though. You leave the University of Montreal, where you'd been since 2011. You did really well there. You played for several championships, both at the league and national level. You are in the Vanier Cup three times. And, you know, sometimes university coaches, they stay in one place a long time, and they really build something, Danny. And I know you did that there, but... The, the decision maybe to, to, to leave that world behind? Uh, no, not an easy one. There's a certain attachment that came with that program. 
Uh, I was there for nine years. Uh, not only did we have success on the field, but we had success off the field. We graduated 85% of our student-athletes. Uh, we were able to fundraise a lot of money and improve on the uh, installations and facilities that we have in place. Uh, it's a, that institution, uh, even the people that I worked for were an extension of my family. And um, I think you'll appreciate this. Uh, when, you're, when you're working with student-athletes, well, you know, 50% of what you do, you're coaching. The other 50%, to some, you're, you're, you're a parent, and you try to impact and, um, and, and have a, you know, just try to have an impact in their lives so that when they do leave with a, with a degree, well, you've made them, you know, uh, you know, better people along the way. Uh, you know, you can't trade them. You can't cut them. It's totally a different world. So that, to me, was extremely difficult to leave behind. And it was extremely gratifying, too, to see some of these young men graduate and move on to bigger and better things. Uh, but at, uh, at 52 years old, I was looking for another challenge, and not any challenge. One in my, uh, you know, the, the one in my hometown was the one that was the most intriguing, and this is something that I clearly wanted to do. I've been quite fortunate to win championships everywhere I've been and surrounded myself with some good people, but... You know, we came up here, uh, we came up a little bit short in 2000 when the Alouettes played um, the BC Lions in Calgary and lost the Grey Cup. And this, to me, would be uh, sort of like the icing on the cake if we can find a way to win a championship here in Montreal. I want to ask you a question about recruiting. I'm going to put it this way, though, Danny. What's harder, recruiting players to come play for a U-sports school or grabbing free agents when all that frenzy starts in February at the Canadian Football League? <laughs> well, the, 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 I would say probably recruiting kids to come to your school because recruiting is 365 days a year. <laughs> free agency, you know, within a, within a few days, all is said and done. So uh, I'm going to say recruiting kids, and don't forget, they're always recruiting the next class. Like, we were at University of Montreal. If we were entering the 2020 season, we were already recruiting 2021. So recruiting is, a, is an ongoing process, and it's, you know, like I said, it lasts 365 days a year. All right. Uh, so you're jumping back into the world of the Canadian Football League. Danny Machocha joining us on Inside Sports. Of course, former coach and GM of the Eskimos. Now he's going to be the uh, GM of the Montreal uh, Alouettes. I, I, you know, there, there's been so many uh, changes in, in the CFL since you, you last were in, involved in the league. And I know, obviously, you're still following it and, and heavily involved in, in the football world. But over these last eight or nine years in the CFL, is there something you watch where you think, man, that has really evolved or maybe a type of athlete or how certain athletes are used? Um, I, I don't, you know, the athletes obviously has gotten bigger and, you know, uh, faster, stronger. Um, um, I would say basically when I look at the schematics, the way people are scheming, uh, one another on offense and defense, that's where um, I see there's a significant change compared to, uh, you know, uh, when, uh, when, I, uh, when I left Edmonton in 2010. Uh, the creativity, uh, the way people are, uh, just, you know, the way they're thinking outside the box, there's so much more forward thinking now than there were clearly back then. And that's what's really, um, no, that's caught my eye, and I find that to be extremely intriguing. I got to ask you one more from a bit of an uh, Edmonton perspective. What was it like for you as a former coach of this player to see Ricky Ray go on that Eskimos wall of honor last fall? 
Um, amazing, amazing. And I know we reached out. I reached out to him. He answered back. Actually, he texted me yesterday, and we went back and forth. Uh, one of my favorite players of all time, and I've been fortunate to have had the chance to work with people like uh, Mike Pringle and uh, and uh, Anthony Cavillo. Jason Moss is another one, but Ricky, the way he did it, uh, is truly amazing. And I'm thinking about it as we're speaking in 2000 and three when we won the great cup with them we won the great cup with a $45,000 quarterback <laughs> and uh and uh, it's uh, it's unreal when you were thinking when you think about it when most of those quarterbacks in that league at that time were making anywhere between 250 and 400 and here's this kid coming out of Sacramento State in the second year in the CFL uh at we're paying him 45 or 50,000 and he just takes the field and and he puts on a you know a hell of a performance, and 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 he repeats it two years later. I mean, it's it was truly amazing, and what a tremendous leader. Quiet, but uh, led the, with his actions and his work ethic. So uh, uh, it was definitely a privilege and an honor to have uh, coached him. Yeah, that that number that number wouldn't fly. And don't offer anybody that, Danny. There's my tip for contract negotiations. They're going to turn that number down. <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate that, Danny. Thanks for checking in on six thirty, Chet. Always good to have you on the show. All the best with the Alouettes. Really appreciate your time. Appreciate the kind words. Have a nice day. That is Danny Machocha taking over as general manager of the uh, Montreal Alouettes. So he comes back into the Canadian Football League. This portion of Inside Sports presented by Furnace Family. Experience the Furnace Family difference. Your furnace replacement specialist with over 500 five-star Google reviews. Call 7804-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. Vic says, I wish nothing but the best for Danny Machocha. Montreal needs strong leadership. I do believe he will get the job done there. JD says, I just want either AFC team to win the Super Bowl, and he throws in there, go Bears. I, I will say this to JD. My preseason, I don't, I don't know why I keep, I, I say these things that I'm just embarrassed myself all the time. Well, I'm used to it at this point. JD, my preseason Super Bowl prediction was Kansas City over Chicago. I may get the Kansas City part right. Chicago part, not close. They were never really in the playoff race. Daryl says, uh, Reed, you were talking earlier this week about having a mascot animal for the show. Well, it's obviously the littlest hobo, as evidenced by your music at the close of your show every Friday. Maybe we, maybe we should. We should adopt a stray mangy dog. Now, the littlest <laughs> hobo was not mangy, but I think most hobo dogs would be mangy. So if I show up with a mangy dog, homeless dog, that's don't be alarmed, Kellen. It's just the new show mascot okay. on Daryl's advice. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry. Also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Nice. Yep. Back after the break on Inside Sports.
Podcast. Had a really good chat with Paul Stewart in the first half hour of the show. Former NHL referee, over a thousand games. He was an enforcer when he played the sport professionally. You can get the full conversation on the Inside Sports page on 630shed.com or you can sign up for the Inside Sports podcast on uh, Apple, Curious Cast, all those places you get your podcasts. I asked Paul about how the uh, referees who are going to work the Battle of Alberta game on the 29th, how they should be approaching that game. I feel that a good referee has to have awareness of the possibility that anything can happen, just the same as a police officer has to be ready just in case. You hope that whatever happens, that you're prepared for it. But the most important aspect is that I used to say to my fellow officials, get me a quart of Clorox because I'm bleaching my mind. I can only judge what I see. And when I see it, I'll judge it. And that's that. But the more important aspect that I brought onto the ice was I was a player that played hard. I was a minority player breaking into the pros in 75, an American, a college kid from a small little prep school in Boston. I played in a college in Philadelphia, University of Pennsylvania. They don't even have a team anymore. And so from where I came, I had to use what I had, which was a big body and a certain amount of toughness, and I had to be able to fight. And yet a lot of people accepted it because of the fact that I kept getting contracts and there were a couple teams like uh, Philadelphia Flyers and the New York Islanders that did pretty well with their toughness. So I played the game tough. And I think that if we're in a situation where we're watching this game, I mean, George Paris being in the stands, so what? There'll be 18,000 other people in the stands. What's he going to do, hold some strings over their head and tell them what to do? He can't. You're just going to have to trust that the officials are going to go out and see what they see and judge it for the moment that they see it. But I would say to them, if I was their boss, feel the game. And when the temperature rises, you step in. My dad used to say to me, and his dad was a referee in the NHL, and my dad refereed 35 years collegiately. He used to say, don't start refereeing until the players, by their actions, tell you that they need you. That's when you step in, and you step in not to make it fair for one side or the other. You step in to keep it safe for both sides, and that's the way I refereed. And I know, and a lot of people said this, that I was a player's referee and that I called statistically less, fish, less penalties than other guys. I, I never worried about that. As I said, I used to take a quart of Clorox, bleach my mind, and go out and watch what I watched. And I had plenty of players that I, I certainly admired and liked, and I had other players that I really didn't care to talk to very much. But I can remember a game one night in Florida when Peter Worrell, big, big kid, was there. And the guy taunted him and kept, you know, brushing him and, and aggravating him and trying to incite him. And, he, and, and the fella t- pretended he was going to throw his gloves down. And Peter Worrell threw his gloves down. And everybody's yelling, no, that's a misconduct. I said to Peter, pick up your gloves. And I looked at the other guy. I said, you're not getting a free pass. You're staying, and so is he. Help yourself. And that's the way that I ruled the game. And that's the way we got through the game, and we found out, you know, who could fish and who could cut bait. All right, good stuff from Paul Stewart earlier tonight on the show. Again, uh, inside sports page on 630chat.com for the full interview. Penguins and Red Wings in overtime, tied 1-1. Five minutes left in the third. Ducks and Hurricanes tied 1-1. Tampa Bay leads Winnipeg 5-1 after two periods. Raptors win 141-11. 
over the Wizards. Oil Kings up 1-0 on the Raiders early in the second period. U of A Golden Bears tied 1-1 with Lethbridge early in the second period. Oilers-Coyotes tomorrow, 11.30 a.m. Face-off show, game at 1. Get it all right here on 6.30 Chet. The producer of Inside Sports is Dave Campbell. The studio operator this evening is Kellen Kennedy. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you for listening. Have a great weekend. Adler is next. Friday. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.